You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson. Maho Molfino. I just had to get a lesson on how to say that name. It's beautiful. Where are you from? Thank you, Kelly. I am originally from Argentina, but I grew up in Canada, so I had a very North American upbringing. Grew up in Canada and the States. My whole family's from South America. Wow, so is that where your name originated from? Exactly, yeah. My name is actually a nickname for Maria Jose, but nobody would say my full name in Canada. They would okay. always call me Jose. So actually for the first 30 years of my life, I went by Maria. And then at age 30, I decided, you know what? I want to bring that Jose back. So I tried to convince everyone to call me Maria Jose, but it didn't work. Um, Maho. Yes, I went with Maho. That's a good combination. Yeah, it's (laughs) fun. It's a very common nickname in in Argentina. For Is it? Yeah, like if your name is Maria Jose, it's common that the nickname is Maho. Ah. Yeah, yeah. But everyone thinks it's so exotic here. They're like, are you Hawaiian? Like, what are you? (laughs) amazing. Well, you are in charge now of guiding women towards more power and meaning through your unique style of storytelling, design, psychology, and mindfulness. You're also the host of the Heroine Podcast. You're the author of The Good Girl Myth and the founder of the leadership program Ignite. I then went on to read that you have a master's in learning design and technology from Stanford University, your bachelor degree in psychology with a minor in cultural studies. I was like, damn, this girl has really knocked some things out. So I feel, I feel very confident coming to you for suggestions and thoughts on how we as women can really own our power, not only because of your own experience, but also just all of the research and education that you've had at this point. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for for pointing that out. It's been a journey of learning about 
the good girl archetype and how to break free from it so that we can really live authentically and live our truths and live who we're meant to, to be as women. You know, I think so much of us in our early upbringing, we, we receive messages that are disempowering to us about how we need to behave, act, look, it's exhausting. And then, you know, by the time we're in our twenties, thirties, forties and beyond, we feel stuck. Maybe we feel like we're not making the most out of our potential. We wonder why it's like, well, let's look at those early, early childhood years and those adolescent years and how, how that good girl mentality followed us into adulthood without us realizing. Right. It's something to me that's so interesting because I think I've started to hear, you know, messages about this. I'm starting to hear people having these conversations and to me, it's so subconscious. I immediately was like, oh, I don't think that way. Or I don't have that kind of programming, you know. But the more I'm learning about it, I am like fascinated by the fact that all of it is so embedded in us that we don't even realize what we're saying to ourselves on a consistent basis about being a woman, about what that looks like, the pressures that we put on ourselves. I mean, it is so immense. It's, it's amazing to me that we've ever been able to function at that high capacity. Absolutely. It's the water we swim in yeah. and it's the air we breathe. And like you said, it's so invisible that we don't even realize it, but a lot more women are waking up to it, you know, with the, with what we saw with the Me Too movement and everything that's going on, on online, I think that a lot of us are waking up to what are the systems that we've inherited, mm-hmm. you know, that we were born into, that we didn't choose, that are shaping how we think and how we relate to other people. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of the, the good girl myths I write about in the book are, are subconscious sneaky tendencies. And so there are a lot of women that I speak to who, well, some women who absolutely identify with the good girl archetype. When I describe it to them, they're like, that was me growing up. I was the girl who got the straight A's and won the trophy and wanted to look perfect and perform. And then there are the the other women who say, I wasn't the good girl growing up. So uh, does this book relate to me? And does this work relate to me? And I say, let's go through the good girl myths. And I guarantee you will see yourself reflected in all, if not some of the myths, because they're so pervasive and their tendencies I've seen again and again in my friends, listeners, uh, women I've worked with, clients, everybody. Mm. Well, on your website, you say it's time to break the good girl myths that are holding you back and share your true gifts. So let's break it down for my audience. What is the good girl myth? Sure. So the good girl myth is a a self-sabotaging, sneaky, subconscious tendency that we picked up in girlhood and that has followed us into adulthood. And we have the opportunity to unlearn and break and decondition. So there are five of them. So in the book, I outline all five and I go deep into each one because each one has a different strategy for approval, a different power we need to reclaim and also different tools and mindsets that help counteract it. So um, shall we go through them? (laughs) I would love to, actually. I was just thinking that. Okay, great. So I'll I'll list them out, and then we can can dive into each one. And and we can also, whichever one appeals to you the most, Kelly, like whichever one you feel you've grappled with or you think your listeners will, we can dive in. 
So there, there are the myth of rules, the myth of perfection, the myth of logic, the myth of harmony, and the myth of sacrifice. So those are the five good girl myths. Okay. And my number one myth is the myth of perfection. I was just thinking I'd probably identify with that one the most as well, <laughs> but tell us more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But w- well, what's beautiful about it is I have spoken to women all over the world and some of them really identify with one or two and another woman will identify with completely different set of myths. So I tend to score high on perfection and logic, but I have a girlfriend, for example, where she's very high on harmony and sacrifice. We're like at the opposite ends of the good girl map. Yeah. (laughs) So it's fun to talk about that and how that, you know, how that is for us in how we relate to the world and each other. But, um, yeah, so perfection is huge. How do you feel like that has shown up for you growing up or now? Um, I think that as a child, probably, and into just my high school years, college years, it was it was the straight A's. It was, you know, captain of the basketball team, student council. I just did all of the things. But what I would say now that I relate to with that is it, within a relationship a lot, mm-hmm. like within my relationship, I'm going to overperform all the time. Like I'm going to exhaust myself to do all of these things so that everyone else is happy and the, and the house is nice and the life we have is good. And, you know, everyone is peaceful and calm except for me usually because mm-hmm. I'm overperforming, trying to make sure everything else is okay. And the pressure that I put on myself to do that and be this perfect girlfriend or perfect friend or perfect, whatever relationship it is, daughter, whatever it is, um, it's too much, you know, and I, and I see it now, but it doesn't allow me to be authentically myself all the time either. I love how you just articulated that so beautifully in how it's, it sneaks into all the roles we play, right? Yeah. Girlfriend, partner, you want to be the best sister possible, the best daughter, the best daughter-in-law, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. And it's impossible, you know, impossible. in life, it's impossible. Like the pressure we put on ourselves and the expectations are completely unrealistic. And then we feel like we're failing. I think women with the good girl myth of perfection, the way that you know you have this good girl myth is if you feel like you aren't doing enough or you don't mm-hmm. feel like you're good enough and mm-hmm. you feel like you're constantly failing other people or yourself, that's how you know it's the good girl myth of perfection. What a relief to know that that's just something that's been conditioned in us, you know, that we picked up. And that right. we, you know, that we don't have to, it's not an innate part of who we are. Actually, when you think about yourself as a little girl before all the rules landed on your head, you know, I'm sure you were, I don't know, describe yourself. What were you like? Um, I think I'm, when I was a child, I just remember being pretty happy. I'm also a very, a deep feeler. So I feel everything. So, I mean, that can look like, you know, emotional, whatever emotional range that is, but it's, I've learned it's a positive because I can really support people and be there for people through uncomfortable emotions. And I think I was more free in all of that as a child than I feel like I can be now sometimes Mm -hmm. because of the conditioning. Like I want to be there and do all the things for the people, but it it just comes with such a pressure of doing it perfectly. And, um, and that's just not reality with feelings, right? They're messy. Absolutely. I'm curious how you, how you relate to the myth of sacrifice. Mm. Do you find that 
When you do self-care, when you take time for yourself, do you feel guilty? Oh, yeah. Mm. And I, I honestly have a hard time, unless I'm single, really taking care of myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. I think so that is probably a myth of mine. Sacrifice. Yeah, sacrifice is what I like to call it is the deepest myth in that it has the deepest roots, I like to say, because you have to think about, you know, let's back up for a second. Okay. Uh, We live in this world and this cultural system uh, called patriarchy. And unless you've taken a gender studies or feminist studies class or something, or you're, you know, you might not know what I mean by that, or, or maybe you do, but patriarchy is a system that's been around for about 5,000 years. So it started in 3,500 BCE. And as long as we've had written language, patriarchy has been around, which means all over the world for millennia, um, men have, you know, had a superior role to women and women have been supporters, supporters. And, And so part of the pressure of the gender role there is really to put others before ourselves, you know, and we see it in old, old religious texts from all across all religions and spiritual traditions, the idea of the selfless woman, you know, it's so deep. And I think it's also a beautiful concept. There's a time for us to be selfless and sacrifice, but the problem becomes when it's default Mm. and we're doing it constantly and we're the last person on the list Mm. and we're at the bottom of the list. And the next thing, you know, you know, we're uh, burnt out or we're, Um, our bodies are, you know, screaming at us, like, please, you know, give me some time, give me some love. And so um, it's, it's the one that also gets passed down multi-generationally. So one, one good way to think about this one too, and bring some light and shed some light onto this blind spot is to think about the women in your family. When you were growing up, how did they relate to um, their roles? Mm -hmm. And did they play martyrs, you know, and how, you know, how did, how did they model that for you? Because I, I really find that the good girl myth of sacrifice gets passed down from, you know, great grandmother to grandmother to mother to daughter. So it's right. very, it, it waterfalls down. And so it's really up to us to catch it and break the cycle, break the cycle. I love that you pointed out though, that women, because I think women innately, have the gift of giving, you know, we we are comforters, we're supporters, we are givers. And so it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it's, it's that, um, imbalance that becomes Mm -hmm. the problem. Like, I think if we can own those qualities of ourselves in a positive capacity, that would be really great, but it's when it, it gets out of balance and then in, in the giving, we're completely neglecting ourselves and it becomes yes. like a sacrifice, right? Yeah, we we swing the pendulum in the completely, yes. you know, the other direction. And with all these good girl myths, you know, even something like logic or harmony, these are beautiful qualities to have in certain contexts. But the problem is, is when we're defaulting into these good girl myths again and again, instead of choosing them. When you break a good girl myth, what's really nice about it is later you can choose to Im- inhabit that myth if you want, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you have more freedom of choice, more flexibility, more range to be who you want because you're not stuck in the programming. You can actually back up, disidentify and say to yourself, do I want to be harmonious in this situation and relationship right now? Or do I need to speak up and use my voice 
and have some conflict here in order for the relationship to mature or move to the next level, you can actually choose that versus, you know, just being harmonious and, and going along with things and being easy to get along with just because that's what you always know in your whole life. So there's, I think there's more power. We're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Right. I love that word power in that because the choice gives us the power that's taking your power back. It doesn't mean you have to completely neglect something or abandon something, but having the choice is where the power lies. Yeah. And one of the biggest mistakes of feminism is, you know, how we've with, with the feminist movement, maybe look down on women who are like stay at home moms. Right. Right. And say, Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But really feminism is about choice. So if a woman wants to stay at home with her mom and be a stay at home mom and inhabit her caregiving self to the fullest, because she finds that's in alignment with her purpose, more power to her. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's not judge and shame that woman, right? Right. In, right. in the same vein, if a woman feels like she doesn't want to have children at all and she wants to just focus on her career because it gives her deep satisfaction and meaning, more power to her. So I feel like the, what we're talking about here is allowing ourselves to inhabit the range instead of just going along with what we've been handed, which is what a lot of us do, you know, mm-hmm. go along with what we've been handed, what's been what we've inherited and that, okay, this is the culture that I grew up in and the people I surrounded myself with, and this is what they believe. And so I guess that's what I believe. And it's like, you have an opportunity to wake up and back up and look and, and ask yourself, is that what I believe? Or do I believe something else and something that is more aligned with who I really am? So that's the opportunity, which is really exciting. So you mentioned the harmony belief, which I guess is just keeping the peace constantly. I would imagine that would be the myth. Is that yeah. accurate? Harmony is, mm-hmm. okay. That's seeking harmony instead of embracing the conflict and confrontation we need for change. So mm-hmm. for all relationships to change and mature, and even for us to grow as human beings, we need a certain dose of conflict and friction. And when we're in the good girl myth of harmony, we're just trying to keep things coast like peaceful and coasting. And what happens is long-term that catches up to us long-term down the short term, everything's harmonious and great. Nobody's fighting, but long-term what happens, you know, all that bitterness you swallow, it's going to come out some other way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And you don't speak your truth. Right. So I see the good goal myth of harmony come up for women in, in all range in a whole range of ways from like small, small little ways. Like maybe they don't speak up at a party or they don't speak up to their massage therapist or something tiny to big ways. Like you're in a toxic relationship or partnership for years and you can't break out of it because you're terrified of the difficult conversation, Mm. you know, the difficult breakup conversation or the difficult uh, quitting conversation. Uh, You're terrified of another person's response. There's a lot of fear in there. Maybe there's some trauma, past trauma that could make, that has led you to feel very afraid of other people's disappointment or anger. And so what do you do? You swallow your voice and how, and you don't share how you really feel. And That is, we as women need to reclaim that on a personal level, but on a collective level as well. Yeah. I might have a little bit of that one too. I just was listening. I I mean, that really resonated what you were saying. 
Um, and for me, I don't know if this, if any of the listeners would relate to this, but as I've gotten older, there's a voice inside of me that's like, no, 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 that like wants to break this myth. And so the more I try to operate under the harmony, good girl myth, the more that voice rejects that. And it, it, but it's coming out maybe a little bit, um, uncontrolled. And so it's again with that pendulum, like finding the balance of how to own your power and own your voice within whatever the context of that breaking that myth looks like. Yeah. I spoke with this other fellow author. We did an IG live together and we were talking about the good girl myth of harmony. And she was like, okay, well, how do you break this? And I was, give, I was talking about a framework for saying no. And she was like, you know what the nuances and all this, I feel like it's not just about saying no, it's about saying no, but still having an open heart when you say no. And I was like, wow, that was really profound. (laughs) Because I think it is easy to just be like, all right, like I'm not going to be like, you can swing in the other direction, like opposite direction and just be like difficult (laughs) and argumentative. And you don't want that either. You know, you want this. Yeah. You want it to feel really um, aligned and centered. And, and, and when you set a boundary, you're, you're setting it in a way that is honoring either yourself or the other person mm-hmm. um, and, or the other person. So ha- cont- having an open heart when, when doing that is, I thought that was a really nice nuance. I love that too, because to me, the biggest, one of the biggest powers of the feminine is, is that we don't have to be abrasive to communicate, but, you know, I think we can come from a kind and loving place as well as a firm place at the same time. And so it's like finding that balance, but that, that to me is like the true power of the feminine being able to embrace all of those things at the same time and not having to be so harsh and abrasive. I think I just said, but that, that is kind of what I was saying. I've kind of swung into the masculine of like, no. And then I'm like, wait, let's find this, this middle ground here that really truly encompasses what I'm trying to say, as well as giving loving kindness to those around me. Yes. Beautiful. I think that integration is so important. Yeah. You know, it's like integrating feminine and masculine in that case mm-hmm. where there's like a firmness mm-hmm. and, a, and a soft and a softness at the same time. And I yeah. think you can only integrate those qualities when you've gone to the both extremes. And that's my belief. I think like, so. Yeah. So it's almost like you picking up your sword and drawing a line in the sand and being firm and being like, no, and like accessing that warrior energy is actually helping you then move into a more integrated place. But you kind of need to almost touch that extreme, I right, think. Right. To then be to know that, back. Yeah, to know that that power is there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really believe that. And, and what a beautiful opportunity to, to practice communication with those we love. Because the truth is, you know, in all our relationships, we get, we get triggered, you know, by what other people say and do. And when we're under the good girl myth of harmony, it's easy to just not say anything. And the opportunity chance is to communicate, give feedback. I call in the book, I call it relationship hygiene. You brush your teeth, you brush your hair, you shower every day. You kind of need to have hygiene with your relationships, like over communicate, you know, (laughs) communicate what's working, what's not working. Um, Communicate uh, when you're feeling a trigger. Don't let it just slide past, you know, 
and especially if it's a, re- a repeated offense. <laughs> if it's a yeah. one-time thing, you might say, okay. But if it's happening constantly, it's really up to you to speak up. So yeah, I, I find the good girl myth of harmony is a big one. I think so. If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Talk us through the good girl myth of logic. Yes. So good girl myth of logic is a really interesting good girl myth. It's when you choose logic over intuition in decision making. So it's really about living life from the, the neck up, you know, and really, uh, navigating your life from a very cerebral place. Maybe before you make a decision, you make like a pros and cons list and you think really hard about it and you mull it over and you talk to a lot of people and you, you think about what's the logical thing here to do versus um, accessing an, a whole well of intelligence, you know, feminine intelligence, since we, we brought up the feminine and masculine, the feminine intelligence that is in the body, that is in intuition, And I think because some of we've grown up in patriarchy and, you know, and a system that is really into, you know, analytical thinking, critical thinking, uh, analyzing, dissecting things, you know, that's most of the education, modern Western education system is based on that kind of school of thought. Most of us have been divorced from our, the intelligence of our bodies. And then as girls, you know, we were kind of 
some of us taught or have gone through experiences that have led us to believe we're not safe in our bodies. And so it's like, boom, let me just evacuate here and stay up here and never really check in about how I'm feeling. And so someone like you, who's an artist and a feeler, and I I think I heard you're an Enneagram four. I think I heard that in another interview. (laughs) You might not be high on the good girl myth of logic, but someone like me, <laughs> yeah, I'm like pretty high on this has been my, one of my big ones because I feel like deep down I'm, I'm an artist, but good girl myth of logic constantly getting in the way. Right. I think mm-hmm. that's, I, I think it's interesting too, because I, as much as my nature would not be to live that way, there have been times in my life I can look back and usually they blow up because this does not work for me. But there have been times that I can look back and know that I was operating, trying to operate from that place, like knowing something and, oh, I'm going to do that because I should do that. But knowing in my body, it just did not resonate. And you still, but you can still try to talk yourself out of it. I think that's interesting. Absolutely. And I think with, it ties nicely to the good girl myth of rules because rules, because rules and logic often get mixed up, but logic is really you're listening to your brain and you're divorced from your body with rules, you're listening to external authority. Mm. So think about the communities you're a part of, like maybe your family system or your religious system or the media that you grew up in, right. Or, you know, the culture that the, the, whatever communities that you grew up in, there are, every community has authority figures. If you look in a community, there's always authority figures. Yeah. Like, in school, we have teachers and principals, you know, in religion, we have priests and rabbis. And so there's always, there's systems and communities usually organized in a hierarchical way. So, so what often happens is because we grow up in these communities, we look to these authorities to give us answers. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the right answer for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fascinating. So we've done harmony we've done logic we've done perfection we've done what was the other now i'm blank. sacrifice sacrifice and then there's one more yeah rules which we're missing oh, rules on. is okay yes yeah i didn't realize rules was that the other myth so yeah that, rules is the first myth i start the book with because it's the most important one to break what do you see most consistently is there one that you know it seems to override the others amongst women Honestly, I've seen such a dis- oh, a distribution, but I will say perfection, harmony, and sacrifice. Yeah. Big. Yeah. Big. Logic. Unless a woman grew up like super, I see logic more on like girls who had to grow up to be like book smart and really like math and science and like, cre- like feel really credible and like win at school and academia. Then they, they tend to have myth of logic. Um, rules is so invisible. It's so hard to catch that even in my assessment, I have an assessment in chapter three, where you can see which of the good girl myths you have the highest and how you score on them. I I say right there and then like rules is really hard to catch. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, uh, it's just, it's so invisible because, because think about all the communities we're a part of. Right. And and think about all the messages and invisible rules each community has. We're talking hundreds. We're in, in social psych, they're called norms, you know, as well. They don't have to think of them as rules, but 
every like in the I know that you you're you're in the beauty industry, right? Yeah, and right. music industry. Those industries have certain norms, mm-hmm. things that people ex- their expectations about how to behave and act and do. And so when you break away from that, what happens? You know, either you can't like be in that industry or you get backlash or, you know, right. Uh, And that, and so somebody who's listening right now, like a really easy thing to do is think about the, I I call them the four major systems you grew up in religion, family, um, pop and media culture and school. Okay. Those four systems, think about all the roles you received in those four systems you grew up in, those four communities. And if you grew up in another community that was like really, really important to you, like like the music industry or something, think about it. And then ask yourself, like, do I actually resonate with some of these? Or am I just um, am I just doing them to gain benefit? Because the truth is, when we follow the rules, we get a lot of benefits. That's why we follow them. Mm-hmm. Because like, if you think about it, when you follow the rules in a community or the norms, you get a sense of belonging. It feels so nice. <laughs> you know, you gain a sense of comfort and safety and, and rules give us all this convenience and ease. So rules are great. They have so, many, so much benefit. But then the, but the question we have to ask ourselves is what is the cost? Right. You know, when we're following the rules over multiple years and the next thing you know, we're, hmm, did I even want that? Was that even what I really wanted? Was that my true desire? Was that the true opinion that I had about that? Or did I just swallow some external thing? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking as you're saying that, I'm thinking about multiple conversations that I've had with friends of mine, other women. And there have we've each, I think, experienced a point in our life where, you know, maybe something falls apart, whether it's a marriage, a relationship of some kind, a job. Um, and someone looks at you and says, well, what do you want to do? This is the opportunity to like, you know, do whatever you want with your life. And a lot of us at that point have hit this wall of, I don't even know. And that to me speaks to this rules piece in a way of we've been operating so much out of our conditioning for so long that we get so out of touch with our own selves and our own desires and wants because of just the programming that I know I hold on to for the exact reasons that you're saying it gives you the satisfaction temporarily, or it gives Mm -hmm. you a sense of belonging of connection. And that's how we're wired Mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. But if you're out of touch with yourself and you're following the old programming of maybe any of these things really, but rules specifically, um, eventually it does seem to kind of fall apart for most of us. Oh, it always catches up. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're going along with the program da, 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 and then something breaks Yeah, because we're our, our innate being and soul and it, who we are is oriented towards growth. And so it's almost like it won't put up with it. Yeah. Like who we truly are is not going to put up with you playing along with the rules till your deathbed. Like eventually there's going to be some breaking point. Something is going to happen. Like, you know, I've, like you said, in speaking to all these women, when women I interview on the heroin podcast, same thing. It's like, it's going along and then boom, turning point, <laughs> dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. What happened? Some waking up moment of realizing who am I? What am, what do I want to do? What do I want? 
And that's an opportunity to um, what I call in the chapter on rules, I call it unearthing Mm -hmm. your ingredients of meaning. So typically we get um, meaning from the outside world, right? From all the, we define success based on whatever communities we're a part of and how they define success. And so we have to figure out and introspect about what gives us meaning. And so what are our ingredients of meaning? So what, what are the things, what gives us flow? What gives us joy? Uh, what have been the biggest challenges in our lives? Often pain is a good indication towards what our purpose might be and what gives us most meaning. So wait, uh, wait I need to stop you there. Cause that's fascinating to me. What do you mean by that? Pain is the biggest indicator of something we're supposed mm-hmm. to be doing. Yeah. Tell me more. What does that mean? So when you're thinking about like, what's, what's my purpose, what's going to give me meaning? How am I going to be most of service to other people? Yeah. One really great place to look is to what have been the greatest challenges in your life? Because that is how, why there's a reason you went through those challenges. And that is because you are here to teach something and guide people towards moving through those exact challenges. And a lot of healers are quote unquote wounded healers. And the ways that they've been wounded is what they support other people in healing. And I completely believe that. So sometimes it's, it's kind of interesting. People don't want to look there. They don't want to look into the shadow and the darkness, but you know, I write here on page 72 pain is a powerful teacher some of our greatest gifts come from our deepest challenges, right? So I coached a woman who worked for a venture capital firm. Yeah, this woman who felt like her career was completely meaningless, but she was also a sexual assault survivor. And through our work together, she realized she had a great opportunity to support other sexual assault survivors. She went on to become a social worker. And so I'm not saying that every woman who's ever experienced sexual assault that they need to necessarily support other people in that. But for her particularly, it was clearly her purpose. She had to go into that um, and understand that trauma. So I have some journaling prompts around about challenges on page 73 that will sort of, you can journal and free write to these questions to help you kind of unearth, okay, what, what have been my, my greatest challenges? Hmm. I've just never heard it put that way. That was such an aha moment for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Do you resonate? Is that, have, has, yeah. is that how it's been for you? You know, it truly has. And, um, and I think I've been sort of in another season of that the last two years. And sometimes, you know, when you're in it, I think it can be very overwhelming in trying to figure out how to use it. And I, because I've been through very painful situations. Like early on, I just, there was a couple experiences that really affected my life, but I've now been able since to um, have certain experiences where I've seen exactly what you're saying, where I really thrive and I find myself finding the most um, satisfaction, contentment, fulfillment in helping other people or connecting with other people through similar stories and just I don't know if it's like giving experience, strength and hope kind of thing, or if it's what it is, but it satisfies me in a way that nothing else in my life does. And mm. so um, I'm starting to identify that, but I haven't quite figured out necessarily the path of 
using it's even the things that have been happening in the last couple of years, because it's the same things, but on a bigger scale. And so it's like, okay, well, just like what you're saying, this can't be a mistake. Why mm. is this happening? And what am I supposed to do with this? You know? Um, but hearing it verbalized, you said it so, so perfectly. And I think that that is such a beauty of the life journey when you can really take yourself out of it and go, okay, wait, how do I help other people? Because we all have a purpose here. And like, what is that? What is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. That's it. And I have found that the places I've struggled the most, you know, with good girl conditioning and mentality yeah. is what I felt called to teach and support, you know, and support others. And so if someone's listening right now to have that aha moment and just really turn those, <laughs> turn those horrible moments and traumas and small or big into, into get a gift. Yeah. To give, give the world. Was there Mm -hmm. one moment that you can identify in your life that you flipped that switch from good girl myth to, I got to break out of this and really use this to help other people. I had many epiphanies in my twenties. Um, I, and they ranged. So one was, uh, really having a hard look at myself in the mirror after being in a corporate job, feeling burnt out, being depressed, breaking out of my skin, having lost weight, my body yelling at me, um, and realizing, okay, I'm wearing a costume like this blazer I'm wearing. And this is something about looking in the mirror too, that it just felt so eerie. And I could create a distance between I was observing myself that really helped me wake, start to wake up. But another epiphany I had in my later twenties was I um, actually experimented with some psychedelics that really supported me. And I know now we know with so much research that psychedelics are, have incredible healing properties. Yeah. And uh, one particular episode, my first episode with a, a specific medicine really opened my mind to the cage I was living in <laughs> and how much I had been suppressing my creativity and my power because I wanted to please my parents and please my partner at the time and how much actual latent power, particularly creative power was sort of asleep inside of me. Mm. And that moment really helped me shift my consciousness. I like to say it's, it broke the good girl myth of logic. Psychedelics are good at that. They just break your brain a little bit. Um, that, that allowed me to make a flip. I like to tell people sometimes it's one big moment, like someone gets into a car accident or they have a near death experience, or they have a really traumatic experience. Sometimes it's these little epiphanies, you know, along the journey that kind of add up and start to carve a picture for you. Yeah. So one of the things you talk about is once you identify these good girl myths taking them, I mean, I would assume it's like anything else where awareness is the key, right? So once you can identify it, then you take them and then you can build the life you want after you've gotten through this process. So I wanted you to kind of tap into that. You just mentioned creativity, which is what took me here, but how do we build the creative confidence to go into our lives and create the life that we want? Such a beautiful question. I, um, I really believe in exploration and experimentation. So I think one of the, one of the things that I'm seeing 
in this, in the personal growth, uh, conversation right now is get very clear about what you want Mm -hmm. and then go and manifest it. Right. Like (laughs) that's in the conversation. Yes. Yes. And, And the problem with that conversation is a lot of people have trouble getting clear about what they want. Right. right. At the point, right. That's what yeah. I'm struggling. We're like, hello, yeah. I can't see yeah. it. <laughs> and, and so the lack of clarity, right. So, so they try to do a meditation, maybe they journal about it. And, and then there, there's, it's, there's too much noise in the mind or they, they can't get clarity. And so I actually believe that the way that we get clarity is through engaging with the world and trying things out and prototyping. And that's been because of my background in design thinking, and my understanding as a designer is that we need to create and make things. Okay. Put them out into the world, even if they're messy and ugly. And even if we're beginners, get feedback from people and then refine, refine that thing and continue to refine it and iterate on it. And that's how we grow. And so when women come to work with me, it's like, let's anchor in on a starting point for you. Let's scope a little project that feels aligned with your creative purpose and let's run experiments and let's run them quickly. So you gain a lot of information and you get feedback from people and you build creative confidence that way. So it's very practical. I'm very practical. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe manifestation is a creative process. It's it's as much introspection as doing. Mm -hmm. So if you, for example, want to create a, podcast, you want to write a book, you want to start a business, mm-hmm. you want whatever it is that you think you want, even if it's fuzzy around the edges, that's okay. You don't have to be crystal clear, even if it's fuzzy. What we do in prototyping is we break down the questions you want to answer. What are the questions you want to answer with your experiments? And then we run the little experiments. Mm-hmm. So with podcasting, it's like, who's my audience? That's a question. What, um, what kind of format do my interviews want to be? Uh, what kind of guests do I want to have on? These are quite, so when people have questions that they don't, when they're in the, I don't know space, they panic, right? They're like, I don't know. And then they feel stuck. Yeah. It's like, great. You don't know. Let's go find out. Yeah. Right. It doesn't <laughs> it have to be overwhelming. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting. The I don't knows are, are questions for exploration, questions to go run your little experiments in the world. Because you know what? A lot of the journaling and meditation and the manifestation work, it's very safe. It's like, I'm in my bedroom, mm-hmm. like when I was a teenager and I'm just like, I'm, I'm getting to do my vision board and it's, it's like cozy and, and I'm into that totally into it. Cause I practice it, but I'm also like, go <laughs> make something, put it out. Yeah. See how it works. So it's, again, we, I think we talked about feminine and masculine energies integrating. Yeah. That's yeah. what essentially. So I actually work with a lot of women on the masculine surprisingly, because in some ways it's been distorted as much as the feminine we've, we've patriarchy has distorted our sense of agency and creative mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. Um, I, because I really do believe it's active. It's not just passive, you know, and, and how beautiful it is to gain insights and awareness and, and have those aha moments. We need both, but I don't think a lot of people know or have a method for taking action that feels methodical that they can build on. And I think designers do because designers know how to create something from nothing. That's what designers do. 
I interviewed a woman, this was almost a year ago now, it's Tara Moore is her name, but um, she talked about how if we, I mean, just what you're just talking about with the meditating and stuff, like it's very easy to sit back and kind of write, right? The things and put them there and then close your journal and put it to the side and not actually put it into play. But how does that manifest itself in your life? Like ultimately, like you're making yourself small in a lot of ways, because you're not actually putting yourself out there to live this big grand life. And so when, once you start doing that, you know, you might put some things out there that don't work where they would, I'm doing air quotes, like don't work, but it's just feedback. That's what she said. It's like, you take that and you take, it's answering questions, just like what you're saying. Like mm-hmm. you ask the question and maybe that's not what works with your audience, or maybe that's not what works for you once you do it and make the prototype, but doing the activity of doing it is what gives you the answer to then figure out which direction, which path, which prototype you want to create next. Exactly. I think a lot of people do goal setting. They're like, let me get clear with the goal end goal and let me break down steps. Right. Yeah. And like have milestones. And so it's goal setting is working backwards with prototyping. We work for, we build our way forward. Yeah. We run an experiment. Then we go, Oh, look at that. Interesting feedback. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me just turn a little bit this way and run another experiment. Oh, interesting. Look at what happened there. Da, da, da. Oh, let me go again. So it's, it's so the m- mindset is nimble, flexible. It's, it's, it's what I think is creative confidence. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really also learning not to get attached to outcomes. You know, so much of what we're going to put out there is not going to resonate. And there's going to be a range of responses mm. with what we put out there. Some people are going to love it. We're going to hate it. Some people are going to say nothing. Okay. Right. <laughs> I love that simple. Okay. Like that's it, right? Like it doesn't have, I get so, I take everything so personal and it hurts if it doesn't work. And it's like, no, it's just, okay, let's shift then or do something different. Mm -hmm. It's just fascinating how we can get really wrapped up in the answers and it can just be as simple as, okay, Okay. (laughs) let's move on. Next. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I love that. Um, Well, tell us a little bit about what people can find on the podcast. Again, it's called the heroin podcast. I assume you can Mm -hmm. find this anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yes. So it's heroin as in the heroine's journey. And I interview women, uh, women leaders in different industries, mostly creative industries. My upcoming season is going to be focused on women in literary arts, which I'm really excited about, like fiction and uh, fiction writers and memoirists. Um, And I'm also, my book is available at goodgirlmyth.com. Okay. Goodgirlmyth.com. And then I'm pretty active on Instagram. So I love to connect with listeners there. So if you want to give me, say hello or send me a DM, uh, I love that. I'm at Maho Molfino. So Maho spelled M-A-J-O mm-hmm. and then M-O-L-F-I-N-O. You'll, you'll find me with that first name. Yes. I'm also going to put all of this information in the description of this podcast for you guys to be able to find it easily, but I do think they'll be able to find your Instagram handle easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maho. Um, also, I did hear you mention, I just want to touch back on the book for just a second, because I know you said, you know, we've talked through what people can read, but did you mention journal prompts as well? Yeah. So the book has journaling prompts in there. There There's some meditations and then there are some challenges I give about how you can put things out into the world. Okay. Like pepper it in throughout the book. And then at the end of each chapter, there's a little toolbox 
where I'm like, here are the tools we went through in this chapter. So you can reference them easily. Okay. Amazing. Again, the book is called the good girl myth, how to dismantle the outdated rules, unleash your power and design a more purposeful life. The podcast is heroin. Maha, thank you so much for being here. This was very, very insightful to me. I'm going to go back and listen. I love when I can go back and listen and journal on my own podcast. <laughs> That's great. It's a good sign that you're, you're doing, me, doing it right. <laughs> well, it shows me I'm interviewing people that I'm actually really interested in, which is awesome. <laughs> great. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson, where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge. Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.